Welcome to The Joy of Living, featuring your host, Barry Shore. In this time of busy, busy and rush, rush, we don't always take the time to appreciate the life that we have and the love of those around us. Now, the ambassador of joy invites you to take a moment, no, take an hour and find the joy of living. Here is Barry Shore. Good morning, beautiful, bountiful, beloved, immortal beings, and good-looking people. And remember, you're good-looking because you're always looking for and finding the good, the joy of living. Barry Shore here and Venice Beach, California, overlooking the vast Pacific Ocean. And this show is dedicated and exists for one reason only. The only reason I'm on the air, the only reason I invite wonderful, amazing people is for you. Y-O-U. E-W-E. You. It's all about becoming the best you possible because when you are you, you make a difference in the world. You literally go mad. And mad is good in this case. Go make a difference. So that's why we're here, the joy of living, and it's being brought to you by the quite remarkable magic of internet radio. You're listening to voiceamerica.com, and we have over at this point 258,611 people listening to us throughout the entire world. But as you know, what we do several things on this particular show. One is that we discuss words that are powerful and purposeful and potentially capable of your ability to see the world in another way so you can become the best you possible. So we'll be doing that. We also say have a big wave and a shout out to people in different parts of the world, different cities. And I have to warn you in advance that your humble host does use four-letter F-U word. And he does it liberally and frequently. And that's because he likes to have fun. Well, see, there it is right away. F-U, everybody. F-U-N-N. Fun. But you say, wait a minute, Mr. Shaw, that's only three letters. Well, that's not the way I spell it. I spell it F-U, capital N, capital N. So when you see your family or friends later today, you'll say, everybody, F-U, with a big smile on your face. Of course, you have to put it right away, F-U-N-N. So let's go right away and say hello to people in different parts of the world. Oh, this is really fun. There it is, F-U. We have people in two cities in the world and have the same exact name. So I'm going to do a do shout out and we'll go through it very quickly because it's a lot of fun. One of them you know uh, very well because it's a major capital in the world and it's it's been the center of the uh, world's attention for more than a thousand years because it's set on a beautiful place in the world, the Emerald Isle as it's called. And another is um, here in California. So the name of the city is, drum roll, fanfare, da-dum-ba-bum, Dublin, Dublin, Ireland. Yes, that quite remarkable, magical place. It's known by many different names. It's called the Big Smoke. 
not because they're high on stuff, but because it was a very smoky city for hundreds and hundreds of years. It was also called the Fair City, but that was tongue-in-cheek because it wasn't. It was originally settled by the Vikings, I believe, somewhere around the 800s, maybe 840, 890, somewhere around there. And it was actually two names. It was called Dub and Lynn, which means a black pool. It was settled on a particular, the intersection of two uh, small rivers or streams which uh, created this black pool. And it's had a very rocky history. Uh, I think around the year 1800, 1801, there was something called the Act of Union, which really was hardly a union because it was England ruling Ireland with an iron fist, by the way. And by then, London had withdrawn its... um, troops, as it were, even though they maintain a large force. And really, Ireland was ruled by London. And that started in the beginning of the 1900s, and certainly by the time of the First World War, an open rebellion against England. So there's been uh, what they call bad blood between Ireland and England for hundreds and hundreds of years because uh, the English did not treat the Irish well. Matter of fact, they were Uh, merciless in their treatment. But I want to tell you a few other nice things about Dublin. It's a beautiful place. Uh, Personally, I'm very happy to tell you the following. If I remember correctly, it was 1963, and it was just a few months before President John F. Kennedy was assassinated, unfortunately, in November, that he visited Dublin, which was a very big thing. He was the first president, of course, of the United States to go and visit Ireland, and the, the country went en masse to visit him and pay him tribute and homage. It was really quite amazing. And speaking of Mass, the first Pope ever to visit Ireland, which was remarkably, um, how should we call it, in quotation marks, religious Catholic country, the first Pope was John Paul II, who visited in 1979. Now, if you want to fast forward, in the eight, late 1980s and early 1900s, uh, sorry, late 1980s and early 1990s, uh, Ireland just fell into its own with its young population dynamic, and they became known as the Celtic Tiger because it was a booming, beautiful, amazingly powerful place because it's just a great population, highly educated, uh, very dedicated to uh, succeeding in the world. By the way, Dublin's a relatively small city. I think the population is only about 500 plus thousand, maybe 550,000. But in terms of where it is in the world today, very strange in that in 2015, uh, the country voted to have same-sex marriage legal. Now, again, one of the most Catholic countries in all of the world. And in 2018, just about a year or so ago, they voted overwhelmingly to approve abortion. So it's a very interesting, dynamic place. That's Dublin, Ireland. And the other place that we're saying hello to, by the way, of the 544,000 people in Dublin, there are 2,183 people listening to us right now. So that's pretty cool. Dublin, California, which I've been to as well because it's right up there in the Bay Area. Dublin, California is a really interesting and fun place. It's a relatively small population, about 60 plus thousand people, but it is the second fastest growing 
city in California. It's a basic suburb of uh, East San Francisco. But interestingly enough, it has been voted, I think, number seven or number eight best place to live in all of the United States. That's a pretty big tribute. And, of course, uh, as a city being named Dublin, which was, in fact, named in honor of Dublin, Ireland, because there were a lot of Irish people who settled in that part of the Bay Area in the 1890s, it has one of the most robust and um, active uh, St. Patrick's Day celebrations. It's not a St. Patrick's Day. It's a St. Patrick's three-day weekend with races and beer and races and beer and fun and festivals and pancakes and all kinds of wondrous things, which in the Irish tradition, of course, of uh, the joy of living. <laughs> so a big shout out to Dublin, Ireland and Dublin, California, where interestingly enough, we have at this moment 716 people listening. So in terms of population, percent of population, that is huge. Uh, and again, F you to all the people in Dublin. We have a lot of fun on this show. Now, by the way, speaking of this show, this if you ever miss a moment, and you don't want to do that, but if you ever do, and you do want to share this show with your friends and family, and even, by the way, people you don't like, because that's the best way to create bridges and build love and harmony and be the best you possible, share, 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 go to barryshore.com. B-A-R-R-Y-S-H-O-R-E, barryshore.com. Find this show and share it. You will be happy you did. And even more importantly, the people you share it with will be happy you did, especially when you hear who we have on the show today, one of the great storytellers of the world, an amazingly interesting, fun, yeah, F-U to him. David Weiss is his name, and we'll be introducing him in just a few minutes. And what a tale he's going to tell. Uh, we use here on the show acronyms, part of a book I'm writing called Reframing the Art of Living, and this ability to use acronyms, take a word and take the first letter of each word or take a word and break up its component parts and bring out the most positive, purposeful, dynamic part of it so that you can become, again, the best you possible. One of the ones we like to use a lot is WWW, which most people think, of course, stands for something to do with the internet which is true to an extent, but what it really means is what a wonderful world with, of course, a uh, hat tip to the great Satchmo, Louis Armstrong, for making that go worldwide and touching millions and tens of millions of people. WWW, what a wonderful world. And what is a word? W-H-A-T-A, what a wonderful world. And what's one of the greatest ways to make a wonderful world? It's when you smile. Everybody loves a smile. And when you do smile at other people, generally speaking, you'll get a smile back. But here's what smile stands for. And when you hear this and you internalize this, you're going to affect your very neurons. You're going to affect the very synapses in your brain. And your whole being is going to be transformed because smile stands for seeing miracles in life every day. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> and by the way, WOW is an also a great acronym. WOW stands for Words of Wisdom. Because when you hear things that ring true and you hear words of wisdom, right away you, you say WOW because it's hard to express something else. But that's what WOW is. And smile is seeing miracles in life every day. And when you do that, you're prone to say thank you. 
That's a natural process. But when you do it consciously, you are, again, transforming your very being because thank is also a great acronym. It stands for to harmonize and network kindness. To harmonize and network kindness. That's what thank is all about. Because everyone, everyone you meet is fighting a battle you know nothing about. Therefore, be kind, always, to harmonize and network kindness. And when you do that, you're creating a new world, the kind of world that you want to live in, the kind of world that exists when you are involved in the joy of living. And CREATE is a beautiful acronym. It stands for Causing Rethinking, Enabling All to Excel. That's what happens when you create harmony, network kindness, and you smile. You're seeing miracles in life every day. What a WWW, what a wonderful world, which, of course, <clears throat> is a great lead into a, uh, the guest that we have. And I will take the opportunity to say he's more than a guest in the sense that I've met David Weiss. I know him. I'm actually honored to call him friend. I hope he would say the same back, but <laughs> the reason that he is so interesting is because he understands the idea of journey. He understands the idea of creating. He is a writer extraordinaire. He, you have seen much of his work, and when I give a little intro after he comes on and says, hello, everybody, uh, we will introduce him right after the, this little break that we're going to take, you will be brought into the world of transformation because it's done on the big screen, the small screen, and it touches millions of people because stories are really the way that we make people aware of what it means to, to live in love. Love is living on vibrant energy. So we're going to, I'm just going to take a quick break. On the other side, one of the great current storytellers of the world, David Weiss. So stay tuned, get ready, put on your seatbelt because he's coming back right after this. See you then. Hi, everybody. It's summertime. And summertime means it's hot and oftentimes we get sticky. And here's the best way I know to take care of your body. Smell good and be good. It's called Native. N-A-T-I-V-E. Native. This is something really wonderful because it works. And people love it. They have over 7,000 five-star reviews. It's ingredients that you know because it's all natural. It's made in the USA. And there's something for everyone. This is really good-smelling but pleasant product. No risk to try it. Free returns and exchanges in the United States. And if you work right now, go to the site, nativedeodorant.com. You'll get 20% off your first purchase when you use that special code called Barry, B-A-R-R-Y. That's me. I use it. I love it. You will too. 20% off your first purchase. Go to nativedeodorant.com. N-A-T-I-V-E, deodorant.com. Put in the promo code capital B-A-R-R-Y, Barry. You'll be glad you did, and so will everybody else. This stuff is great. Bye. Would you like to donate to your favorite cause without costing you a penny? 
Of course you would. Delighted.com is the one place where you can learn how to shop your favorite brands and give money to your favorite cause at the same time. Please go to Delighted.com. That's D-L-Y-T-E-D.com. Your favorite brands and causes have paired up with Delighted.com. Get electronic gift cards in seconds. Have a night out, travel, or just make your everyday purchases. And remember, you are giving to your favorite cause without spending a thing. It's easy and good. D-L-Y-T-E-D.com. Enjoy. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. listening to the joy of living with barry shore to participate in today's program we invite you to call in to 1-866-472-5788 that's 1-866-472-5788 you may also send an email to barry at barryshore.com now back to the joy of living good morning beautiful, bountiful, beloved, immortal beings, and good-looking people. And remember, you're good-looking because you're always looking for and finding the good. And speaking about deep good, I mentioned to you that we have a dear friend and a remarkable being. His name is David Weiss. So you may not know his name so well, but you certainly know a lot of stuff that he's done because he is one of the most important and influential Hollywood writers of family films, things that you certainly are aware of, like Shrek 2, Jimmy Neutron, Boy Genius, you remember that one? The Rugrats movies, the Smurfs, oh my gosh. He is a um, dynamic, powerful, interesting being, and I'd like him to say hello to our hundreds of thousands of listeners, and I'm going to ask him some questions and let him speak. So, welcome, David. Hey, Barry, thank you so much for having me on your show. It's just, it's great to be here. It's uh, nice or as, to be had. Or as they say in Ireland, ah, Barry, now it's good to be talking to you now here on the telephone, Mike. It's great to be here with you now. <laughs> you and I, I have to say that, I have to say that only because I was listening to your intro and it sort of dropped my jaw because I, I was actually living in Dublin when my career started. I spent the first two years of my, of my career over there working on my first couple of films with Don Bluth, the animator in, in Dublin. Well, you know, so I mean, that's a great segue. Let's talk a little bit about your, your journey, personal, and your career, personal. Let's start with the career first. You mentioned Dublin, so just here. How did you get there, and what do you mean you, you started out? Was that five years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago? <laughs> Good Lord. I hate to say how many years ago it was, but it was, it was, darn, it was like 1989. 87, 89 in there, that's how I was in Dublin. I was just out of film school, and um, I had written a spec script. I went to USC film school, and I had written a spec script uh, coming out of film school, which got read by a Mormon producer who was looking for, you know, somebody had similar values to, to himself. And I had my spec script that I had written out of film school had sort of Christian overtones, because at the time I was a practicing Christian and uh, having been born Jewish, but I wandered into the church when I was younger and spent about 15 years in the church doing evangelism and such, and then um, wrote this script. This Mormon fellow came into my agency looking for 
uh, a writer who he could turn out he couldn't afford the writer he wanted. So my agent said, oh, well, you're a Mormon. And I got this guy that's kind of a Christian. Maybe the two of you will get along. Why don't you read a script? And uh, so we met over coffee, and he wanted to write, I think, kind of a Mormon action comedy film. And I, I was more into the Christian type. I said, look, I, I don't want to write a Mormon film, but I'll... We settled on Judeo-Christian comedy action film. And um, we wrote that. And he sent that script to Ireland, where Don Bluth, animator of American Tale, and Land Before Time, and uh, Secret of Nim, and all these great films that really had had uh, woken Disney up and got them started back up in the animation game in a serious way. So kudos to Don Booth for all that. Um, he, he he was a Mormon, and he and his friend, who had, was the producer of the script I was writing, thought maybe Don would help him finance this movie we had we had done, the script. And Don was not interested in live action films. He was just doing animation. So he told the guy, look, I'm I'm just doing animation over here, so I'm not going to invest in a live-action film, but I like the writing. Is the kid available? And I got a call on a Friday afternoon. Hey, can you come to Ireland for a couple of weeks? And um, I was like, sure. <laughs> and that turned into two years, and the, the, film, the first film we did over there was All Bars Go to Heaven, which is my first, my first produced movie. Wait a minute. Uh, first, I love the idea of the kid. <laughs> and well, yeah, I... At- at the time, I at the time I was a kid. I was just out of film school. No, no, no. It's but it's so wonderful to um, to conjure up the memory again, and as they say, and the rest is history. But let's talk a little bit about the history. Let's go back to where you just said part of what life is about, and what you are. You're a writer. And you are a talented writer, and you write not just by yourself, but thank God you have a partner. Your partner's name is what? David Stem, J. David Stem, S-T-E-M. People sometimes think he's stern, and they just assume we're a couple of Jewish writer boys, but David is actually not Jewish, and, uh, but he's a brilliant writer and a great uh, writing partner. We've been together almost as long as, as I was married. It took 25 years, kind of crazy. Wow, that so. is wonderful, especially in this place called Hollywood, which is not yeah. known for being... Um, a place where stable relationships happen. Okay. Right. So right. In, in your journey, you mentioned something uh, almost en passant, but let's just talk about it because I think it affects everything that you do in terms of outlook and vision. And the world is built on stories. You're a storyteller and life is about stories and, and journey. Here you are, a guy in from Southern California, born Jewish, raised in an atmosphere, and then you moved into a religious pro, uh, process, but it was Christian, not Jewish. And that right, really right. gave you a, um, a boost in life, didn't it? Yeah, interest, I mean, you wouldn't have thought. Most people would say, keep your religion out of your work. Uh, but the other thing, they, they say this especially about Hollywood and about writing, is kind of be true to who you are. And I was a religious guy. I remember I actually wrote the first like 20 or 30 pages of this spec script, the one that I wrote, uh, just to kind of as a sample to try and you know get work out of film school was the first thing I wrote and the word you know it sounds spec it's when you don't have a you're not being paid by when you're just writing it because you want to write it and it was a very Christian action a Christian movie action comedy thriller kind of comedy uh, back in the day in the eighties they were doing a lot of these kind of like uh, what was the little robot one I forgot the name of the robot one but you know it was ET had sort of broken the doors open. Uh, John Badham, I think, was directing a lot of these movies back then. They were kind of action, but they were fun. Robots, helicopters, you know, um, kind of the Goonies sort of tone back then. And so I was kind of capturing, trying to capture that spirit. 
and the sort of stuff that's uh, uh, being celebrated in the Stranger Things series now. And um, so, but it had a Christian bent to it. And that was, and, it, you, and, and in fact, the first producer I met with, he read the first 20 pages before it got to the religious stuff, and it was all about a blind guy that was driving a car. This was before Al Pacino made it famous in um, Scent of a Woman. Hoo-ha! Um, and it, it, it basically had a camera that they had, the car was all rigged out with sensors. So it was basically a self-driving car. I sort of was seeing that before it happened. I had this idea that if you had enough sensors on the car, a blind person could drive the car. It would tell you when to change lanes and when there was something coming, it would, all that stuff. So um, he thought it was lovely, and it was, it was uh, Victor Dre who had done uh, the, the woman with one red shoe, I think, and the woman in the red yes. dress. Or something. Right. He liked red. So, and then he went off to become a big restaurateur and club owner, I think, in Vegas. But I had breakfast in Victor Dre's house because he read these first 20 pages, and he really loved them. And he brought me over there, and he had, uh, it was between Jacqueline Bissett and who was after Jacqueline Bissett. He had a series of women that all had that kind of classic French, you know, movie star look. I forgot which one it was after after her. Um, and she was there having more shoes, and I was like, wow. And he said, what's the, what's the rest of the movie? And I told him what the rest of the movie was. And, he, and it was very Christian. And he said, no, 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 no. That's terrible. We can't make that movie. Uh, it, it needs to be much more like this. He proceeded to pitch me more a standard kind of thriller. And I, looking back, I kind of regret my decision in a way, but obviously not. I said, no, no, I look, at it's my first time that I've ever written a screenplay. I know that once I'm in Hollywood, I'm going to have to do what everybody tells me. But right now, this first screenplay, I'd kind of like to write what I want to write. Like, no one's paying me. I might as well do something that pleases me. And he sort of rolled his eyes and said, good luck. And I gave it to him when I was done, and he read it and passed. And as did everyone else, by the way. Nobody was interested in this Christian crazy action comedy movie, except for this Mormon producer. So oddly enough, and I never, when people say, how do you get your career going in Hollywood? I never pe- tell people, oh, well, follow my path. Write a Mormon comedy movie and hope that he sends it to a Mormon animation director in Ireland and that he hires you to write All Bars Go to Heaven. It's just not a very likely path. But you're right, you know, and with John Lennon, whoever it was that said, life is what happens to you while you're making other plans. Um, being true to yourself does, I think, pay off at the end of the day, or certainly can. If nothing else, you feel good about yourself. And, and so that is what ended up happening. Uh, I was just following my kind of spiritual path, and it led to, thank God, a, a pretty long career. And that long career is involved with movies and and television shows that everybody knows. For instance, Rugrats. I mean, Rugrats is a great movie. It was a great show. You wrote one of the most interesting and iconic shows that ever came out on television, which is played every year. It's like it's like a Christmas special, except that it's called Rugrats Hanukkah. <laughs> a Macca baby's got to do what a Macca baby's got to do. Um, yeah, and, and which is um, educated. Yeah, that was tens of thousands of Jews around America, the world. So here's a guy who makes a movie with a Mormon producer who was raised, the guy was raised Jewish, became a Christian evangelist, found his way through that to observant Judaism, makes this movie or this series with the Rugrats Hanukkah, which educates himself and other people. Uh, I would like to talk, we're going to go on a break in just a couple minutes. Before we do that, I want to talk about Shrek for the moment, because I have two quick questions. You ready? One question is, where did you ever get the name? Was it your name or who came up with it? Does it have any connotations? And do you see Shrek as this, um, as I do, one of the great moral movies of all time? 
Well, A, you give me too much credit. Um, I can tell you where the name came from, but Shrek existed long before the movies and long before I was ever involved. And I also worked on the sequel. I worked on Shrek 2, which is not an apology. Happily, people, uh, my writing partner told me there was just some big article somewhere about why Shrek 2 is one of the best sequels ever done, which is incredibly uh, flattering and, and a real honor to hear people say that. But the truth is, uh, I'm, we're standing on the shoulders of Shrek 1. Because uh, you couldn't, you couldn't possibly write this movie without the incredible work that was done in the original. And the first movie is standing on the shoulders of a book um, that was done by a, a Yiddish-speaking author, um, uh, Bill Steig, William Steig, uh, who was a, big, a famous sculptor. He was a he was a, a New Yorker cartoonist, um, and he was an award-winning children's book author. And I, my understanding is he grew up in a Yiddish-speaking home. And Shrek, obviously, is from the, is the Yiddish word. Shrek, it's right. like a That's fright. That's why I'm asking. I, was, I wanted to hear it right. from it, you. It, yep. Yeah. Yeah. But it, 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 I can't take. I wish I could take credit for that. I'm. I'm. I'm several steps removed because, like I said, it was a children's book that is a wonderful book. That the, the producer John Williams had the great foresight to say, "Hey, this could be a movie." So he optioned the book and took it to DreamWorks, and then Jeffrey Katzenberg and his crew. Uh, they. They. Um, had the, they just really worked hard on that thing. I know that they ended up rewriting the movie almost from scratch after they'd spent a couple of years on it. And Mike Myers so just brainstormed to make the character Scottish because it just wasn't working. It wasn't funny, is what I'm told. And then he kind of came up with the Scottish version of Shrek and it finally came to life. And Andrew Adamson, the director on that thing, had such a sense of vision and, um, and his ability to bring a team together and pick the best ideas out of a team. So it was just, it was, re- it was kind of like looking at NASA um, you know, uh, to, to launch a you know get a man on the moon. There was so much going right. on, uh, but but what a, it was just a really wonderful team to be a part of and a real privilege. But yeah, I did not create that. No, I, well, I I didn't mean to intimate, but you did do uh, the sequel, <laughs> and as you say, sequels sometimes are more difficult to do because people are expecting so much. So we're going to go to a quick break here, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk to David about some of the other things he's doing in the journey, and one of them is. Uh, talking about sequels, making the remake of one of the greatest movies of that I remember in the past 60, 70 years, Harvey. Okay, we'll see you in just a couple of minutes. Don't go away. Hi, everybody. It's summertime. And summertime means it's hot, and oftentimes we get sticky. And here's the best way I know to take care of your body, smell good, and be good. It's called Native. N-A-T-I-V-E, native. This is something really wonderful because it works. And people love it. They have over 7,000 five-star reviews. It's ingredients that you know because it's all natural. It's made in the USA. And there's something for everyone. This is really good-smelling but pleasant product. No risk to try it. Free returns and exchanges in the United States. And if you work right now... Go to the site, nativedeodorant.com. You'll get 20% off your first purchase when you use that special code called Barry, B-A-R-R-Y. That's me. I use it. I love it. You will too. 20% off your first purchase. Go to nativedeodorant.com. N-A-T-I-V-E, deodorant.com. Put in the promo code capital B-A-R-R-Y, Barry. You'll be glad you did, and so will everybody else. This stuff is great. Bye. Hi, everybody. Polly and Bark. 
polyandbark.com, one of the best furniture sites we've ever found. Not only did we find the site, but we ordered the furniture. We love it in our home, and I'm sure you love it in yours. Because we're talking about contemporary flair with what we call iconic inspirations. And these people are driven to bring us the best quality at the lowest possible price because they are built with durability and they're sophisticated and it's inviting beautiful looking furniture. You'll be so happy that you found polyandbark.com. And when you use Joy Living 10, Joy Living 10 at checkout, you get 10% additional discount. Polly and Bark, furniture you'll be happy to say to people in your home, hey, look at this, come and sit down and enjoy. Pollyandbark.com. Use Joy Living 10 and get extra 10% discount. Best wishes. Do it now. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to The Joy of Living with Barry Shore. To participate in today's program, we invite you to call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Barry at barryshore.com. Now, back to The Joy of Living. Good morning, beautiful bountiful, beloved, immortal beings, and good-looking people. And remember, you're good-looking because you're always looking for and finding the good. And we're deep in good with wonderful David Weiss. And if you ever miss a moment of the show, and you don't want to do that, but if you ever do, and you want to share this with friends and family, which you certainly want to do, and by the way, even people you don't like or you people people you think don't like you, share, because when you share, you build a bridge. You build a bridge, you create love and harmony, and that's what you're all about, becoming the best you possible. Go to barryshore.com, B-A-R-R-Y-S-H-O-R-E. Get this show and share, share, share. Give it to five people you love, you don't love, you want to love, and we're going to be over a million people listening to this because we got David Weiss. And as you hear, David Weiss did Shrek 2. David Weiss is on a journey from being a nice little Jewish guy to becoming a Christian evangelist. Now he's an observant Jewish person again. And he has been involved with some of the more interesting and beautiful um, stories that exist in the world. I'd like to just stop for a moment and ask David a question about what it means to now work with, because David has been, you should know, he's a, obviously not obviously, but he's a member of the Motion Picture Academy. He was the former vice president of the Writers Guild of America, which is having its own issues. We will not discuss politics or business at all at the moment, but here's a guy who's traveled the world teaching, lecturing, because he's so articulate and he understands the ability to, like Joseph Campbell mentioned about the hero's journey. Let's take a look at something. Netflix is one of the most powerful uh, purveyors of product in the world at the moment. And you have been tapped, and I think I presume it's with your partner, David Stem, to work on the remake of the great classic that was uh, done by Jimmy Stewart in 1950, I think it was, and that's called Harvey. Can you speak about that at all? 
Well, well you, 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 you see, Barry, you know, you've got a giant white rabbit. You, you, you want to remake a movie about him. I, I think that's just what you have to do. I mean, you know. Um, that was very so, good, Mr. Stewart. Thank you. Well, that, that, thank you, Barry. Uh, um, yeah, I, I was thrilled when I heard about this because I really loved that movie uh, growing up. And um, we just got a call. Our agent um, called us back about a year and a half ago and said, hey, Netflix has got the rights to this and they're going to remake it and they're looking for takes. Looking for take means, you know, you, you basically go into Bake Off. They'll bring a bunch of writers in and the writers will say, hey, if we were going to remake Harvey, here's what we recommend you do. And so it's just, you know, it's a, it's a long shot. You, you, you never know who they're going to pick and you never know what they're looking for. But, uh, you know, we threw our hat in the ring and said, hey, we'd like to work up a take. So we spent, you know, a couple of weeks or a month or so uh, coming up with an idea and went in and sang and danced and said, here's what we would do. And our take was essentially to be really respectful to the original uh, in terms of, we knew that people would come in and say, hey, it should be, a, it should be like Roger Rabbit. You know, now that you've got CGI, there should be a big animated rabbit in the movie. And we really felt that the brilliance of the first film was exactly that they didn't do that. And it kind of asks the question, what do you do when somebody really crucial in your life is seeing a giant white rabbit at a time when it's really inconvenient, right? And, and that, that was the, that we said, that, that was the, really our pitch was, where do you go with that? Um, because in, in the original, the original movie is based on a Pulitzer Prize winning play. Um, and, uh, Mary Chase wrote the, the original play, and and the play was basically a dinner, you know, par- parlor, you know, a, a dinner parlor comedy, um, you know, um, parlor room drama comedy, and, it, and the issue there was you've got this woman whose brother is a bit of a, a bit of a drinker, and he has this giant white invisible rabbit, and he, she's trying to marry off her daughter, and back in those days, if you had a crazy uncle, you could not find a match for your daughter. Um, still in some circles today, there, you know, people really check out your family and make sure that you've got good, you know, credentials and there's no strange, you know, things in the closet or, you know, strange histories or murderers or anything weird going on. And, um, and, but that's much more rare now. So it's harder to relate to. Who cares if you got an uncle that sees a rabbit? Nowadays, everybody has some crazy thing going on. Everybody's got a pet dog on the plane that they need for, it's either their care dog or it's their uncle. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, <laughs> or, it's their chi- or it's their child. And I happen to be a dog lover. We, you know, our family has two beautiful dogs that become part of the family. But the point is, it doesn't matter as much anymore what the people around you are doing. If you're a good fit, then you get married. But in those days, that could be the end of any possible marriage. And in those days in high society, marriage was everything and who you married to. So that's a real crisis. So I can't give away where we went with it, but we said in today's, you know, time and space, what would be a situation where the last thing in the world you want is your brother to show up with a white invisible rabbit? And we pitched a new, um, a new setting in a new scenario, but kept that same dynamic. So we were updating the, the place and the feel and the social mores and dynamics, uh, but, but keeping the heart uh, original. I, I wish I could tell you more about where that goes, but um, you have to wait till the movie comes out. So this is wonderful. This is light, airy. It, it touches the being. It creates a bit of a tickle, and you, you become involved with the characters is what you're saying. Well, it's really, I mean, the original is beautiful. Like I said, we really, we really tried to keep, um, in our take, to, to keep to the, to the spirit of the original in so many ways, thematically. In the original, 
Um, Elwood P. Dowd, the, the brother who sees the rabbit, is all about connecting people. He, everywhere he goes, he invites everybody home for dinner. He invites everyone out for a drink. And back in those days, you know, to have a few extra drinks in the middle of the day, didn't, alcohol alone wasn't as, you know, wasn't as openly uh, a condition that needed treatment as, as it is today. Back then, it was, you know, it was, oh, it was fun to see the happy drunk, you know. Um, and, but, but so we've had to shy a little bit away from that part of it. Um, but the idea of connecting people and really helping people connect with themselves because, you know, really what ends up happening, and this is, again, part of our pitch, was just identifying what made the original work and kind of saying, hey, our commitment would be to stay true to this. The temptation to make the star Elwood, Jimmy Stewart. Now, Jimmy Stewart was the star of the movie, uh, the original movie, and, and, and the play is you know, Elwood beat out as the star of the play. But there's a difference between the star and the main character. And, and, and in truth... Um, Elwood in the play is an agent of change. He and the rabbit um, are really there to help the people around them go on the journey they need to go on. Uh, and we see that kind of construction in a lot of different movies, you know, Ch- Ch- Chance the Gardener in being there, uh, or, or uh, John Travolta as the angel, Archangel Michael in the movie Michael. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really change. He's there to help the people around him go on a journey. And in the case of the original uh, Mary Chase really picked it's the sister who is who is freaking out and who needs to learn to trust and let go and have some faith and lighten up. And she's the one that goes on the journey, even though the star will be the Elwood P. Dowd character uh, with his rabbit, the main character who goes on the journey is the sister. And so we kind of stayed, stayed true to that, too. And the message that he comes to bring, and we'll try and keep this line in because it's the most famous line from the movie, I think, the play, is uh, at some point they say, damn it, man, have you no righteous indignation? Because, you, you know, everyone's trying to get Whoa, you committed to this asylum. And he says, he says, well, well you, you see, uh, my mother used to say, Elwood, she always called me Elwood. She said, Elwood, in this life, you have to either be so, oh, so smart or oh, so pleasant. And uh, I, I tried smart. Um, I recommend pleasant. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> David Weiss, I love you. Just, I wrote down a number of things here. The star versus the main character. How wonderful. What a great insight. And the agent of change. But I just I want to talk to you about a little, the three martini lunch and being tipsy. You and I both um, like something called the serenity prayer. Would you please tell people yeah. what it is? I think everybody knows. I want to hear it from your lips and, and why you think it's so important. Ah. Well, I, I don't know, I don't really remember the source of the Serenity Prayer. I don't know where it came from. I know it's been around for a long time. I know it's been adopted by a, a number of 12-step programs. And um, I'm a big fan of Rabbi Abraham Torsky, who, Rabbi Dr. Abraham Torsky. He's a, a very famous rabbi and theologian who also happened to be a, a world expert on addiction treatment and ran uh, an addiction center in a hospital in Pittsburgh for years and years before he retired and moved to Israel. But he was also a big proponent of, of both 12-step recovery and also um, this prayer. But the prayer basically says, uh, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. That's, that's the first part, and that's, that's okay. So that means, A, I'm speaking to a higher power, and the 12-step programs are very careful about not identifying, letting everybody sort of decide what their higher power is. So we don't really, you know, push anybody's higher power on anybody else, and it can be whatever you wanted that to be. Just the acknowledgement that there's something going on in the world that is greater than ourselves. 
So God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. And there's so much in life that we can't change. And I used to run around like a madman trying to change things, but it turns out you can't change. Or even if you can change, maybe that you shouldn't change, or that you're going to drive people crazy as you try to change. Second piece is the courage to change the things I can. So it's not enough to just go, oh, well, there's nothing I can do about this. I think, oh, well, let's just let it go. Well... But if there is something you can do about it, and you should do something about it, then you need the courage to do that thing you're supposed to do. Okay, so now we have these two categories of things, which really kind of covers everything. The things I can change, and the things I can't change. Everything should be well, except for one little problem. How do I know the difference? And that's the third part of the prayer. And the wisdom to know the difference. And that's not always easy. Um, there's a corresponding prayer that I love at the, in the liturgy at the beginning of the day uh, in the Jewish prayer book. Uh, which is that, uh, uh, blessed art thou, Lord, that universe, who grants the heart the insight to know the difference between light and dark, right? Between day and night. Yes. And, and that's so important because so often we might be thinking we're in the middle of the light, like everything's great. Isn't this wonderful? Uh, you know, I think of like a heroin addict, probably thinks things are pretty darn good in the middle of a high. Um, but is he really in the light? And, and, and if you don't know the difference, then you're in a lot of trouble, right? And there are people I, who think that they're at the depths of despair and things are horrible and they've never been worse. And what they don't really realize is that they're going through a time in their life that's going to bring them to the place that they need to be. And if they can just see their way through, they hang on through this storm. There's an incredible calm and light at the end of this, you know, night. And, and we often don't know which place we're in. We think we're in horror and darkness, and in fact, we're on the way to greatness. And there are times when we think everything's just going fantastic, and the truth is we're actually way off the path. And so it's a similar, that need for that kind of wisdom is huge. But that prayer, to me, sort of encompasses everything you need to know to lead us through life. Can I change it? No? Okay. Help me to accept it. Help me to realize this is my truth. This must be my higher power's path for me, because it is what is. And it's hard to argue with what is. But wait, I can change it? There's a way for me, a healthy way for me to change it? I just need to have courage or discipline, strength, support, encouragement? Then I must. And then for that, we need courage. How do I know the difference? I pray for that wisdom. And now I've got a plan for all situations. That is just so wonderful. The last piece that you mentioned, pray for that wisdom for peas that are necessary for life. It's one of the steps, by the way. It's one of the steps, the 11th step, basically right. part of that 11th step, stop through prayer and meditation. Wonderful, David. Are you a friend yeah. of Bill? I am not a friend of Bill, uh, okay. but thank you. By the way, even if I were, it's not a question we would answer on the radio because one of the one of the traditions is anonymity, especially in press, right. radio, and film. So we, we, so we that, I we just wanted to know if you knew. Very good. But you said something, and right. only because when you hear things on the radio, it's interesting. You mentioned when you're in the midst of horror— and you don't know if it's aura. So I wrote that down because, yeah. again, if you're right. not listening carefully, you can mix them up very easily. Horror and aura sound very similar, and sometimes they feel similar. And it's that ability to define, we, define aura for us. I think you're speaking of the Hebrew, right? Yes, we're talking about aura. Right. Oh, see, by the way, you see how beautiful what you just said is? I didn't even understand it myself until you just said it. Aura. We spell it A-U-R-A, but it comes from the root of or, which is light in Hebrew, the original language right. of the Bible. But I love that, that juxtaposition, aura and horror. Is, 
boy, what a difference. And I, was, to know I wrote it down because I was listening and I wanted to feel that difference. So what we're going to do now is we're going to take just a very short break. I'm going to ask you just to stay for a couple minutes past the break and we'll, I'll have you wrap up and then I'm going to wrap up for the last two minutes. And uh, wow, this has been a um, words of wisdom session. So don't go away, everybody. Dave will be right back right after this break. Hi, everybody. Polly and Bark. Paulieandbark.com, one of the best furniture sites we've ever found. Not only did we find the site, but we ordered the furniture. We love it in our home, and I'm sure you love it in yours. Because we're talking about contemporary flair with what we call iconic inspirations. And these people are driven to bring us the best quality at the lowest possible price because they are built with durability and they're sophisticated and it's inviting beautiful looking furniture. You'll be so happy that you found polyandbark.com. And when you use Joy Living 10, Joy Living 10 at checkout, you get 10% additional discount. Polly and Bark, furniture you'll be happy to say to people in your home, hey, look at this, come and sit down and enjoy. Pollyandbark.com, use Joy Living 10 and get extra 10% discount. Best wishes, do it now. There's nothing better than spreading joy, happiness, peace, and love. And now you can do so by giving Keep Smiling Cards. The Daily Smile Mission is to promote joy, happiness, peace, and love to all. Help the world to reach the goal of 10 million Keep Smiling Cards in circulation by 2020. The best part is that the Keep Smiling Cards cost you nothing. All you pay is the postage cost. Go to thedailysmile.com and order your card. Join the Keep Smiling movement right now. Visit thedailysmile.com. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to The Joy of Living with Barry Shore. To participate in today's program, we invite you to call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Barry at barryshore.com. Now, back to The Joy of Living. Good morning, beautiful Bountiful, beloved, immortal beings and good-looking people. And remember, you're good-looking because you're always looking for and finding the good. And we have found good. We have David Weiss with us. David, as you remember, is an Emmy Award-winning nominee for things that he's written and produced and with his partner, David Stem, things that everybody knows about. We talked about what, the, the, what they're doing now with this classic that you're going to be able to see on Netflix, Harvey. I recommend everybody to watch the original, by the way, because it really is good. And then have a lot of fun with what David and David, or J. David, have done with the what we'll call the new incarnation. And we're just finishing up with David. We only have a few minutes left here, but we want to discuss a couple other things. One is that 
David just mentioned to us about the serenity prayer, and one of the great prayers that occurs in the early part of the liturgy in the in the Jewish tradition. And I want to ask him, we just had this remarkable holiday called Passover. And Passover is a rite of passage, we will say. I mean, because it has everything from being redeemed from bondage and passing through the 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 parting of the sea. I mean, if you want to, you know, you can't make this stuff up. I mean, this is better than any movie or show that ever been written. Hey, look, we're just going to bring millions of people and part the waters and have them go through and drown their enemies. But one of the things that happens in this group called the the Seder, the ritual and the order of discussing all these things. It's a, a fun song where we sing it in Hebrew. It's called Dayenu, but it really means enough. And it it's an interesting um, idea on what we have in life, having enough. So I'd like you, please, if you would, my dear friend and really insightful fellow, David Weiss, talk to us about enough. Well, that song, you know, as a kid, it annoyed me because they sing the chorus over and over and over again. In fact, when I go to Seder's now, I'm like, can we just do the chorus once? We'll do it at the beginning, we'll do it in the middle, we'll do it at the end, right? They <laughs> just do the verses. And the verses are just the litany of the things that God did to bring the people out of bondage, right? If you had only brought us out, if you only gave us, the, you know, the silver, if you only you got us to the sea, if you only parted the sea, if you only closed the sea back up, if you only closed the sea back up on them, and if you only, if you only gave us the toe, right? Each, so each one of those things you did for us, that would have been enough. But that you did more, wow. Right? I'm just in awe, right? But in recent years, I've, I've seen that applied by friends in a beautiful way, and I've taken it upon myself, and it's been sort of, sort of, it's incredibly empowering. And that is, people have taken that same Dayunu enough, and they've said, Dayunu, I, I am Dayunu. I, I have enough. I do enough. I, I, I am enough. And so much of my life, I think a lot of people, especially who go into entertainment, a lot of people go into entertainment because they needed to be seen, they needed to be heard, they needed to be loved, and um, and so they they get that taste of applause and they think, wow, this is it. And it does feel like it when you're up there on the stage. I started out, you know, originally in college and high school doing plays and musicals. And my God, when those lights hit you and you strike a pose and the music finishes and the crowd goes crazy. It's a rush. Uh, of course, it's not sustainable, and so people end up looking in the wrong places to find that. But that little Dayenu, and I wake up in the morning, I'm like, oh, my God, I'll never, I'll never get everything done. Why do I have to get everything done? Because if I don't get everything done, I'm not enough. And there's a deep, for many of us, there's this deep sense of not being enough. And, you know, that's one of the beautiful things about that prayer. And, and, you know, it's one of the beautiful things about our faith when you realize who made you and have made the entire universe for you. And for each of us, we all have that as a model um, to really focus on being enough. So that little Diana became, from going from an annoyance to being a real source of blessing for me, is just to remind myself that I, whatever I have, it's enough. I have more than most human beings who came before me ever had. Most human beings spent their lives living with a dirt floor, just hoping to find a piece of bread and maybe a piece of chicken. Even kings, they had a piece of mutton and a potato, you know? We have a salad bar in Santa Monica that has like 8 million types of salad in it. Fresh vegetables from all over the world. We eat like no one in the history of mankind has eaten, most of us. And, and for those who don't have that, that's why we who have so much have an obligation to, to be looking around the, the, the things I can change. We need to try and change those things. But... So I have enough. I just do. No matter if you cut what I have in half, I still have enough because I I have everything. Right? If I'm here, I have my breath. I wake up in the morning in this world. That's enough, and everything else is great. So that's that. And then to to 
do enough, I, I got to do what I can do today. And if I don't get it all done, my list maybe was too long. Right? And if I was a little lazy or I procrastinated or I got on the internet when I, you know, I'm looking at emails instead of writing, okay, tomorrow I need to do better. But to beat myself up, I love this. There was a movie out called This Last Year. I just love this movie. I really recommend it. But don't worry, you won't get far on, uh, won't get far on foot. And it's a, um, there's one point in there, this fellow who is. I'm sorry, what's the name of the movie again? Don't worry, he won't get far on foot. True story about an amazing um, cartoonist who drew with his feet because he was killed. He was he was paralyzed. He was made quadriplegic in an automobile accident because he was drunk. And but his sponsor in that has this beautiful refrain. He says, "Beat yourself up with a feather, not a baseball bat." Woo! So, yeah. Wait a minute. Okay, yeah. you're yeah. going to go out with that, baby. Beat yourself up with a feather, not a baseball bat. So here we have right, okay. one of the great people of the entertainment world sharing with us insights from Enough, which used to annoy him the way it was sung, and then he realized it's empowering, and the smell of the grease paint and the roar of the crowd was really attractive, but you're not going to make your life built on that. It's not enough. It's for. not no. enough. <laughs> no. And you know what is enough? Friends, family, love, the ability to be up in the morning and breathe and be of benefit and be a conduit of goodness, a channel of goodness. I want to do something uncharacteristic. I'm going to give you a big hug, wonderful David Weiss, in front of 258,000 people. Are you ready, sir? I will take that hug, Barry. One, two, three. I love you, man. (laughs) <laughs> Back at you, baby. So everybody's waving goodbye for David. He's, he's um, not running, riding off into the sunset. You'll be able to see and, and experience all the things that he does for us and bringing us these, these great ideas because, you see, it's really important that when you go to see a movie and it moves you, like he just mentioned about this Don't Worry movie, or the thing you're going to see with Harvey, and recognize this is all part of the journey. And the journey is making sure that you become the best you possible. Y-O-U, E-W-E, F-U, everybody. You got to have fun, F-U-N-N. Go to barryshore.com. Find this segment and share it. Share it with at least five people, family, friends, people you don't like. Because you're going to build a bridge. You're going to create smile. And smile, you remember, is seeing miracles in life every day and when you do that you are moved to say thank thank you thank you is to harmonize and network kindness because everyone you meet is fighting a battle you know nothing about be kind and what will you do you will create the world that you want to live in create means causing rethinking enabling all to excel because you want to be the best possible. You reach out your hand and your heart and you enable others to go along the path to be empowered. I want to share with you an idea, a phrase, a quote that I saw just recently which struck me and has stayed with me for these past number of years and it is the following. A sage told his sons, my life is blessed in that I never needed anything until I had it. 
<laughs> I never needed anything until I had it. I wasn't in want. Don't live in want. Live in joy. Go forth. Live the blessing. Spread the seeds of joy, happiness, peace, and love. And we'll see you again soon. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in this week to The Joy of Living. Please join Barry Shore for another edition of the program next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And as Barry says, give me five. Share this show with five people you love. Bring joy into your heart and love unto others. And we'll see you here next week.